Hi everyone, welcome back to TTT, the Talking Transport Transformation Podcast, brought to you by TUMI, the Transformative Urban Mobility Initiative. Our topic today is COVID-19, Fighting Corona in Transport. Among others, we will have a look at the bicycle as a crisis-resistant and safe mode of transport. Therefore, we invited Emmanuel John into our virtual open street. Emmanuel is a dedicated road safety and transport expert. He is board member of the Cycling Federation of Nigeria and is also known for his work for the Federal Road Safety Corps, where he was head of the Non-Motorized Transportation Unit. Next to his work, he also wrote six books that deal with the topic of sustainable mobility. Without further ado, I'll hand over to you, Lena and Emmanuel. Emmanuel, today I have a quote for you, which is actually your quote. It's the quote you gave us when we were doing Tumi TV. You said, bicycles are the best short distance mode of transport that needs to be adopted and promoted. A state and city levels must do something to ensure that cycling goes into play, enhancing transportation, particularly in times like these. How do you feel about this quote today, Emmanuel? My thoughts are as original as it was when I said those words, because the bicycle has remained relevant all time because it is the best social distancing mode of transport fit for this season. And it remained, that statement remains very relevant. And I stand by it as one of the instruments we are using to promote cycling this season. So tell us a bit about the situation in Nigeria right now. What stage of the pandemic is the country in? Yes, the pandemic, we are in our own five, fifth stage right now. And that is the stage wherein um, different uh, heightened measures have been relaxed and uh, different uh, protocols have been put in place for management of uh, different sector of the economy, sectors of the economy, including transportation. Uh, we had our first stage, which is the panicky stage, where we had uh, people struggling to find their feet. Government is thinking of what to do, a lot of panicky responses. And then we had the second stage, which was the lockdown where everybody was were forced to stay at home via a presidential directive. And um, within those uh, period of the lockdown, everybody stayed indoors. And so there were no transport at all. Um, <coughs> and then we, after that, we, that will happen only two stages. There was the first lockdown and then the second one. Then we had also the relaxed lockdown, which came... Um, immediately after the lockdown, people were allowed to move about, but within restrictions, within guidelines, within different levels of protocols. Um, that also took two stages before eventually we are where we are now, where majorly all of those restrictions have been removed, but there are also protocols. So each of those um, um, stages had transport measures pronounced to guide how people use public transport, how public transport operators should um, um, uh, ensure that their vehicles does not become means of uh, spreading the virus, how the terminals should look like, and all of that. So there are different measures for each stages. 
And uh, as of today, uh, we had our first case February 27th. And as of today, we have 52,000 cases uh, with um, over 30,000 um, uh, discharged from the hospital. So active cases is below 15,000. And we had our peak around June or early July, I think, where we were having about 600 cases daily. But right now we're having about 400 cases daily. So we, we seem to have reached our peak and the curve is now turning down. And we hope that that can slow down the incidence until we will come back to normal. Um, but our concern has always been that this virus spread from Lagos and Abuja. All of the foreign cases that came in came to Lagos and Abuja. But this virus has spread to every city in Nigeria, to every corner of the city. And now it's everywhere because, in our opinion, transport was a contributory factor because certain measures were not taken. And that brings us to the fact that the measures that were taken on transport were not comprehensive. And even the ones taken were not adequately uh, complied with, neither were there sufficient platforms for enforcement that will enable those uh, measures to work. Um, generally, in, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many experts in Nigeria, the attention to transport was limited compared to what was expected and what is expected even as of today. So tell us a bit about the measures that were taken um, and which measures, for example, in your opinion, should have also been taken in addition. I'm especially interested in the situation right now, because you've stated that you have moved out of the lockdown. So I'm wondering what measures are still in place in public transport and which ones are lacking in your view? Okay. Now, the measures are these. Uh, for public transport, it is expected that the public transport uh, vehicles carry 50% of their installed capacity, which means vehicles that can carry 40 passengers are expected to carry only 20 with the rest of the seats marked to ensure that people don't violate them, no standing passengers in the vehicles, and only 20 persons are permitted. That's number one measure. The second measure, it is mandatory to use face mask to use any public transport vehicle. It is also expected by the measures pronounced as it is today that all operators, companies, vehicle, individual vehicle owners, and every transport vehicle is sanitized every morning before use. And um, for city vehicles, it's expected that it is sanitized after every trip. Uh, and then it is expected that there are hand sanitizers and hand washing facilities at each of the um, um, uh, entry points and terminals where vehicles load. And then it is expected that um, 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 uh, by the way, those are the measures that are in place at the moment. But like I, I, I have noticed, the compliance has been very, very limited and the enforcement Platforms are not there to ensure that people are, are, are compelled to, 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 to obey it. 
For instance, in main cities like Abuja and Lagos are the city centers. There is substantial compliance because of the presence of security agencies. Uh, now, you also notice that on a particular route, the security agency may just mount, um, park their patrol vehicles, and because of that, you see commercial vehicles load passengers from this end. They have it full. Instead of half the, the passenger install capacity, they load in full. When they are close to the police checkpoint, they drop the passengers, cross over to the other side, and carry additional passengers. And that still goes on, which shows the fact that the commitment um, to ensuring compliance to these uh, measures are not as comprehensive as they are. Now, in addition to that, there were uh, different measures that could have been added to ensure that transport does not become, as I used to say, a conduit pipe for, uh, for distributing COVID-19 across our cities. Some of which, we, we are, during the different articles I published, I, I, I outlined some of those measures, which uh, one of it, for instance, would have been that we restrict vehicular movement. For instance, in, in cities like Abuja or even in Lagos, the terminals are very few. The organized known terminals are very few. So vehicles stop anywhere along the road to carry passengers. You don't know who you are carrying. You don't know the status. There is no temperature testing to know whether the person is positive or negative. There are no sanitizers along those roads. There are no hand washing. And so people carry passengers and drop. But if, for instance, we, for the sake of this virus, we said we use only designated centers, maybe create artificial um, pop-up um, terminals, Perhaps that could have helped a lot in um, reducing the, 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 the whatever contribution transport has made to the spread of the virus. I see. So these measures you're describing, um, I think we've seen them in a lot of cities around the world. So increased sanitary caution, um, there's measures in place to restrict the number of passengers. So all these measures on the long run, and I think we've already been in this pandemic for quite some time, This is definitely taking also a financial toll on public transport providers. So I'm wondering, what are the effects you see on this end? And are there any measures taken by the government? I remember last time we spoke, you talked to me about a committee that was set up to deal with COVID-19 recovery. Is there any policies or any strategies that are being developed or put in place to help Uh, transport operators to come out of this crisis or support them in sticking to these restrictions that they have to abide by? Like I said, different committees were set up by government. One is the Central Presidential Tax Force on COVID-19 that is handling the management and they provide briefs on daily basis to ensure that the public are adequately um, informed on all of the issues. Um, We were surprised that transport was not part of that committee. Of course, that committee also had the mandate of setting up uh, smaller committees and we never had anything on transport. So we felt concerned and we drew attention of government to it through the different uh, uh, platforms that we have. Um, at the Federal Ministry of Transport, they have a committee, a central uh, a committee within the ministry for this purpose, which uh, receive uh, inputs from different stakeholders, uh, one of which is ours. And then we had the um, 
Presidential um, Economic Sustainability Plan, which is um, set up, headed by the Vice President of Nigeria, whose mandate is to provide palliatives to critical sectors and keep the economy running, as well as ensuring that businesses don't die. Now, in doing that, they came out with a very beautiful report, very beautiful um, strategy for reaching out to all of the different sectors of the economy. And surprisingly, for a 2.3 trillion naira worth of uh, palliatives to different sectors of the economy, transport was missing. And we found that very disheartening. So we sat down together with my team and other stakeholders, and we we, 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 we wrote a very comprehensive report I will share with you after this meeting. Um, and we drew attention to the fact that you cannot be talking about economic sustainability when we have different reports that have shown that up to 60% of Nigerians who, who, who live in cities spend as much as 51% of their income on public our kind of public transport. And then uh, the cost of transportation keep going up, like I was describing to somebody just yesterday, that the fare, the transport fare um, for some of the cities like Lagos have increased by 20% between January and now, and has been consistently increasing between June and July alone, 7.4% increase in the cost of transport um, uh, transportation within cities. If this is the case, then you cannot really talk about recovery without addressing transport. So we had a very comprehensive, short, medium, and long-term um, recommendations were put together. We have sent this to the vice president, who is the chairman of that committee. We shared copies with the Ministry of Transportation, and the Federal of Transportation actually invited us for clarification on all of the issues we put forth. And we also shared with the city of Abuja. So these are... Um, the, the, the dimensions we have gone, and uh, we hope that a lot of things can still change based on where we are right now because things are not as they should be. The compliances, like I mentioned earlier, to the various measures are not comprehensive. Some cities, you will uh, you'll be surprised, it doesn't even look like anything is happening. For cities like Abuja and Lagos, Port and some of the big cities where government presence is very thick, you see some level of compliance. You go to some other cities, not, absolutely nothing is happening. And you don't even know that there are measures existing. So these are the issues. So are there some of these recommendations that you prepared that you can share with us now in this podcast to give an idea of what you recommended to the government in order to support the transport sector? Okay. Some of the recommendations, for instance, we demanded that intervention funds um, that is targeted towards uh, recovery from COVID-19 must, as a matter of necessity, includes public transport enhancements, cycling uh, provision. So we gave um, a short, medium, and long-term projects that could be taken on cycling, the ones that could be done as a pop-up, we need pop-up bike lanes, we need to open up certain areas, and then um, uh, do some very quick adjustment on some roads to ensure that people can ride bicycle on those roads. That, that's one of the recommendations. The second recommendation is to 
migrate from the unnecessary investments that the, uh, uh, the city, for instance, the city of Abuja, makes in paying money to buy vehicles and give to individuals as a, as, as a way of empowerment. Uh, hundreds of millions of naira, billions of naira are used to buy vehicles and then give to people as uh, empowerment for them to use as taxes within the city. And we are saying, stop all of those um, form of investment or some of them, or form of empowerment. Put such monies into um, BRT and the BRT system will employ the same people you are trying to empower. We are also saying there are different um, um, fundings that have been made available for road expansions in the city. We are saying put all of those money into organized public transport system. If you do that, you are able to create jobs, you are able to expand the scope of um, public transport system, which reduces motorization, reduces traffic congestion that you are trying to use expansion of road to solve. So that we move away from this traditional um, um, uh, transport development synonymous with building wide roads for vehicles at the expense of public transport system. We also, um, we also uh, demanded that transport um, uh, knowledge need to be upskilled at a different level because if the much of um, policymakers transport-related uh, or engineers and planners who are within the city developing transports are very much aware of what we are talking about, then we shouldn't be having the situation we have. And then we demanded for every uh, 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 um, committee on poverty reduction, committee on recovery, subsequent ones, including the ones that are existing, that needs to be set up. There is a need for transport to feature prominently using those who are knowledgeable on these issues so that we can have a spread. And then we also um, uh, brought out all of, there are different resolutions we've had in the past from national councils, from different platforms on cycling. We, we brought out all of those uh, resolutions, outlined them on the need to quickly begin to implement them because this is the best time to do that, especially in the with regards to climate change issues and the need for green recovery. Okay, so uh, there are so many other ones. Maybe when you get, uh, you can look at it together. I will send it to you. Yeah, that would be great. I think there's so many important things that you just mentioned. So uh, saying that this is also an opportunity right now to turn informal transport into a more formal version of public transport and support businesses that way. Also, what you said about the opportunity to create greener jobs by investing in infrastructure right now that in the same time will then also encourage um, emission reduction. And of course, then also supporting um, more NMT in cities, more walking and cycling. Is this something, um, especially when it comes to cycling, because I know you're an expert on the topic, do you see a chance that some of these pop-up bike lanes that you've mentioned in the beginning and some of this sort of makeshift infrastructure that was created during the pandemic will also remain for the longer term and that it has actually affected people, that they've changed their mobility behavior in that way? Yes, um, the, our report has actually generated a lot of uh, debate at the different levels of government and that has brought interest 
a lot of people didn't see it the way it was. But with this uh, report out and uh, different stakeholders at the highest level of authority discussing it, it is our hope that this will provide a, a leverage for them to sustain all that we have um, advocated and then make them happen. And if that happens, it will be a very positive uh, interest for us. We also, okay, I think this is also crucial. Abuja has a light rail project that is largely underutilized because of the last mile connectivity, because there are no feeder system to the terminals. The terminals are located at places where people don't like going, and so the, the light rail is there and people are not using it. So we brought it to the limelight for the need to install bicycle facilities and create linkages that will enable people to ride bicycle to those terminals. And then we also requested that some of the buses that are, being, are currently being used um, at the different city levels should be converted to feeders to feed the terminals and ensure that the light rail can be in use and that will reduce the number of vehicles along that route. Uh, those are some of the recommendations. We are very, very optimistic that the recommendations we, we sell through because it's already been discussed at the different levels of authority, at the highest level of governance. So that brings me to one other topic I wanted to ask you about, because last time we spoke, you also talked to me about the delivery change and the supply change in Nigeria, um, where you said due to the lockdown, of course, they were also affected, and that, of course, affected then also people's livelihoods and uh, their opportunity to have access to the basic goods that they need. What is the situation with the supply chains right now? Has the situation improved? And uh, if not, or even if it has improved, do you see any policy measures on this end that will encourage supply chains to become more robust? Thank you. Now, the uh, supply chain was truncated during the lockdown, essentially like I described earlier, because the transport measures were not comprehensive. And for that reason, even though... Uh, the, the national declaration by the president was that, yes, vehicles that are carrying foodstuff, carrying medicals, carrying consumables, uh, basic household consumables, should be allowed to pass through. The security agencies um, took advantage of it and uh, because they were on the road all over the place. And so a lot of extortions and a lot of um, uh, roadblocks that prevents these vehicles from successfully passing. So some of them gave up the need for movement. And that led to a shortage of food um, by third, fourth week of the lockdown. Some markets lack um, adequate food stuff for people to buy. So prices went up. And like um, we have noticed, even though um, the, the, the situation is far better now, The prices that went up never came down. The price of bread is no longer the same and it never came down. The price of uh, a bottle of oil is no longer the same. It went up during that period. And even though things have normalized to an extent, the prices have not come down. So um, uh, supply chain was truly truncated. But after the relaxed lockdown, all, um, all of the transport system have resumed. The various um, uh, vehicles can assess the farms, can assess the local environment where the foods are and can bring them to the market. So the market has opened up again and food have returned. But like I said, the cost of things went up and never came down. And the people are the receiving end of it. 
That's a very interesting observation. And I think we'd be interested in, in speaking to you about that particular topic again soon to see if anything has changed or if there is a more thorough analysis at that point, uh, what the reason for that is too. And uh, just to add, add to you, we are, we are doing a study, a very comprehensive study for that matter, on all of those truncations, all of those um, supply chain uh, truncation, and then um, lack of vehicle for essential workers. We are currently administering questionnaires and doing a very comprehensive study, and the report will be out soon. Both these reports that you've mentioned today, I think we'd be very interested in also sharing them with our listeners if that is okay with you and we will make them available. Let me ask you one last question before I let you go for today. I'm wondering, in your opinion, what will be the long-term consequence of COVID-19 on the public transport sector in Nigeria or maybe transport as a whole? Before now, um, in our opinion, the trans transport has not been very, very much uh, central to um, uh, national um, um, development. Neither is it even at the city level. Uh, and this informs the fact that even in, in some states don't have ministries of transport. At the Federal Ministry of Transport, the issues are basic and the funding basically goes into infrastructure. So the development of transport has been not... Uh, uh, has not taken the center stage as it were before now. But COVID-19 exposed a lot of things and brought different issues into, into the fore. And so it gave opportunity to we advocates and uh, experts to speak loud about the things that hitherto were not receiving attention before. So to me, transport will never remain the same in our cities. Um, I was also given analysis or how that in Nigeria, the aviation sector had, according to the Minister of Aviation, was losing around um, 24 billion naira per month owing to the lockdown. Now, nobody has done any analysis on transport, and we decided to, to look at it. Now, an estimated 18 million Nigerians use public transport daily. If you consider that with the figure of the Federal Bureau of Statistics, National Bureau of Statistics, which says an average in Nigerian city, an average uh, city dweller spend around 229 naira to, to transport one way. If you multiply that, in one day, you have 16 billion naira. So if aviation is losing 24 billion and it, in a month and it looks like a big loss, and then uh, uh, urban transport, city transport alone is losing 16 billion in one day, which one should receive more attention? Now, these issues have never been in the news as it were in the past. We had the privilege of doing all of the analysis and putting all of this information out. And that in my opinion and in the opinion of many experts, transport in Africa and Nigeria can never remain the same because they've never had this kind of um, issues being brought out to the open in the past. And so different palliatives were released, funding for uh, ensuring businesses stay, and nobody's talking about urban, urban mobility. We had the privilege of putting all of the issues out and giving evidence why urban mobility is the most affected, not aviation.
not even aviation is not up to half of what is being lost in urban mobility sector. And also, uh, we, we trust that uh, these uh, issues that have come out will never leave transport at the same place. And so that's our expectation that things will definitely begin to change toward the better. That's a very clear statement to end up today's episode. Emmanuel, as always, I feel like we could continue this talk for another hour. <laughs> But I think in the interest of our listeners, we'll cut it for today. Um, I'm looking much forward to hearing from you again soon and uh, hearing more insights on the situation in Nigeria. Thank you so much for sharing your experience and your impressions on the ground with our listeners today. And I hope you'll be back on the To Me Talking Transformation podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Lena and Emmanuel, for the inspiring talk about the bicycle as a resilient mode of transport and the insights into the current situation in Nigeria. We hope you all enjoyed today's episode. The next one will be released on September 17. In the meantime, we invite you to subscribe to this channel and also to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube. You will find all the links in the description box. This podcast has been brought to you by Toomey. Thanks for tuning in and hear you next time. <laughs>